Welcome to the 2R1 Podcast, where we study the Bible together as a married couple. I'm Taylor. I'm Elisa. And we're glad you're with us. This is our very first podcast, and we're just so thankful for the opportunity uh, to even have a copy of God's Word, much less be able to uh, teach it. We're just so thankful for that opportunity. We do not take that lightly. And uh, today we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to read from there a little bit. Then we're going to look into a very interesting and troubling uh, story from Georgia. And then we're going to take your questions. So we'll see you in a bit. So before we get going, I think it's a good idea that we pray over the Word. Just ask God to uh, show us what He wants us to see, because uh, we don't want to know what man has to say. We want to know what God has to say. So uh, we're going to pray over the Word, and then we'll get going. Father, we just thank You for being God, for being in complete control of all things, Father. You're not surprised by anything, Father. You have a plan from beginning to end. It's seamless, Father. You're undefeated. Um, you're in complete control, Lord, and we just submit our lives to you, Lord, knowing that you are in control and that you have the best plan for each of us, Father. We thank you for your word that is the truth, Father, that we can build our lives upon. Father, we thank you that you're good all the time, that you love us no matter what, that we can never, ever fall too far where you can't pick us up, Lord. And we just ask you to open our eyes today. Father, give us vision, give us hearing, give us um a spiritual mind, Father, to meet with you and to hear from you, Father. And I pray that you would just take your word, speak to us. Um, I pray that you would sow a seed in people's lives through your word, Father, and through this podcast. And I pray that you would just bring fruit from it, Father, build your kingdom, uh, do amazing things in front of us, Father. We love you and we thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So Isaiah chapter 6. Um very familiar passages of scripture, but Elisa, do you mind reading some of it for us? Sure. All right. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and a train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Is that where it mm-hmm. break there? Okay. So Isaiah, one of the major prophets, um, just some beautiful, beautiful scripture in chapter 6 and all throughout Isaiah. A lot of the um, messianic or, or scriptures that, that prophesy about Jesus uh, came from Isaiah's book and his pen inspired by the Holy Spirit, and um, just some beautiful, beautiful scripture. This is probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, so I'm a little bit uh, 
prejudice. That's why I kind of picked this as our first one. But it's just such a cool visual illustration of what mm-hmm. it looks like to hang out with God. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think it's important to to notice that this is a vision Isaiah had, but it's a vision of what the Lord is like in His presence. And so it's some awesome imagery. Yeah, it paints a picture. Like, I mean, you... you uh, Words is your work, so to speak, baby. So you can really appreciate this probably on a whole, whole other level. Uh, so I'm not overly concerned with any of the history of King Uzziah and stuff like that. Um, I really want to get to the meat of it. Um, and I'm reading out of the CJB. I do different versions, and we'll get to some of that later. Elisa, you read out of the ES- ESV. ESV. So this is the way... Um, this is the way my uh, mind words it here. I saw Adonai sitting on a high, lofty throne with an exclamation point. So the word Adonai being um, the Hebrew word for God there. And just imagine that. Just imagine seeing God in heaven. Not like, you know, Bruce Almighty where like God shows up mopping the floor, although that's not completely out of the realm of possibility, but... You know, in some ways, the kind of Bruce Almighty idea we have of God can be problematic. You know, I think that we should see God as personal, somebody that we can meet in a supermarket. But at the end of the day, God lives in the most intimidatingly amazing place. It's not, it's it's a serious, amazing um almost fearful thing to see God in his abode because you realize, oh my gosh, this is the king of all kings. This is the king of the universe. He's not just mopping mm-hmm. a floor. It It is um, the all-time just speechless. We get like that when we meet famous people. Yeah. You know, and Isaiah here is, that's exactly what happens. Not only is he taking in the glory of God, it it's a direct contrast to who he is. It forces you to like look at, oh my gosh, who am I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we can't even talk when we meet a celebrity in real life, and this is yeah, way more. Imagine meeting God, and and we think we have all these things. You know, there's that that song by you know, the famous movie, I, I can only imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's kind of going through all the ideas of what he'll do or what he may do when he sees God. But I honestly think we're going to be a lot like this passage mm-hmm. of Scripture. We're going to just be, you know, awestruck, quiet, still, and probably face down mm-hmm. in reverence. Um, so it talks a little bit about, in verse 2, Seraphim stood over him, him being God, each with six wings. So three pairs of wings, two for covering his face, two for covering his feet, and two for flying. And uh, even the seraphim covered covered their face. Mm-hmm. I mean, people that are, are creations, angels are part of God's creation too, uh, they, they really couldn't even look on him, you know? I mean, that's, is, he's that awe-inspiring. He's that just glorious and they were just talking to one another about how holy he is and I don't think they wanted to be anywhere else yeah 
They were crying out to each other, more holy than the holiest holiness. That's how mine words it. <laughs> what is the KJV on this? The KJV. Mine says, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, but I've always heard it. Holy, holy is the Lord of God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Yeah, that's definitely some other places. You know, uh, Revelation. Let's see here. And one cried to another. This is the KJV. And said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So very similar to some of those other verses. Uh, you know, there's that Revelation song that quotes mm-hmm. that, you know, who was and who is and who is to come. So I'm going to switch back here. So the angels are singing this over and over and constantly. This is the, this is the song that fills the walls of heaven. And, you know, even Jesus said... I can't remember where it is in the New Testament when when the disciples and, and Jesus are kind of walking past the temple and Jesus talks about how you know um, the temple was going to be destroyed and and at one point he said uh, if these people did not cry out and worship over me then the stones would cry out and worship and it's almost like to be in God's presence is to just be, have not be able to control your adoration and your and your love and affection and your appreciation and reverence for God and that comes out in the fruit of our lips and and, and in song and and really for us here in the in the here and the now true reverence of God goes beyond words it goes to our life and the fruit of our life will testify the condition of our heart ultimately that makes me think of when you were talking the other day about, you know, nature. You know, a lot of people have throughout the years, even in early America, they would the romantics would get in nature to find God and that's true because nature is very much proclaiming his glory through different ways. The animals, the the trees, even the wind, the the storms. Sometimes during a storm you can actually hear the earth moaning. Mm. Um, and so we are easy to be amazed by nature, but really that's just nature's reaction to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that reminds me of something um, our pastor said a couple years ago, and I don't—I mean, we'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. It's okay to have a little humor in here, but um, you know, the scientists came to God and said, "God, we got it all figured out. We don't need you anymore. We we can we can clone people. We can make humans. We." We don't need you anymore, God. You can just go on vacation. And God said, okay, well, I'll tell you what. You guys make a human, and I'll make a human, and we'll see who wins. And uh, the scientists agree to it. And so uh, one scientist says, okay. He gets a cup, and he reaches down and scoops up some dirt in a cup. And God says, whoa, 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 wait a second. What are you doing? He said, go get your own dirt. So, like, even... Even things that humans make, scientists and, and reason and mathematics, we're all making things that, from things that have already been made, you know, and, and uh, that's the arrogance a lot of times. Yeah, don't we, even get me started on daylight savings time. <laughs> yeah. I think, we think uh, we can change how much light is in a day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's more heart attacks the day after. I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready. 
I'll sign the <laughs> petition if you've got it. All right, let's see where are we at. Number verse four. The doorposts shook at the sound of their shouting. I like this better. The foundations of the mm. threshold shook. Everything shook when the voice of the Lord was was spoken. Yeah. We forget that God's power really is in his word. Mm-hmm. I mean, he built and framed all things through his word. You know, he spoke things into existence. Only God can do that, you know. His power his power is his word and then at seeing all of this Isaiah does what really I mean you have to remember he's a prophet he thought up until this moment that you know he was essentially clean you know the cleanest he could be as far as like his sin and he just you know, this is what he does day in and day out. He communes with the Lord. And then when he gets this vision, when he sees God for who God truly is, when he sees God uh, in his position of supreme authority, his reaction is not to go up and give God a handshake like we talked about earlier. It's not even to do a dance. To see God for who he is, like Elisa said, is to see you for who you are. Mm-hmm. And if we're all being honest, you know, if we're all being honest which I think is the best policy. I mean, we've all got junk, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, if I were to see God right now, we'd probably have some business to take mm-hmm. care of. And uh, that's Isaiah's reaction, and that's really what our reaction should be. You know, I was talking to my son the other day, our son, um, Grayson, and I was telling him, you know, there's not a uh, formula to prayer, but, um, you know, in our opening prayer, I didn't go into repenting of, of sin and stuff, but I always like approaching God with thanks, then asking Him to forgive me of my sins, and then moving on to my petitions, because we should come into God's presence with thanksgiving and reverence, which would be recognizing that God is holy and we are not, and we really can't be an effective vessel for God until we're honest about where we're at. You know, and and so before Isaiah gets to kind of the um, commission later in the in the chapter, he first has to be honest about who he is, what he's done, what his struggles are, mm-hmm. and and that's that's super important. Like, you know, and we can't really. I mean, then it goes on to um, after he realized, you know, unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King of the Lord of the Hosts. After he realized just how lost he is he even says i am lost Mm. um you have to realize you're lost before you can be saved you have to realize that you need forgiven before you can have forgiveness Mm -hmm. and so that's what happens next it says then one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar and he touched my mouth and said behold this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So you have to come and lay it down and give your sin and admit your sin before it can be atoned for. Yeah, uh, that's what I was going to say. In, in 2019, a lot of times we just skip over that. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, God loves everybody. Yes, God wants everybody to be with him, not just in heaven, but a daily walk. Yes, God, Jesus died for everybody. But at the end of the day, just like we want 
you know, our friends to be accountable, you know, if, if they do something, or we want our children to be accountable, or we want our coworkers to be accountable, you know, we have to be accountable for our mess before God can do what God wants to do. And I also think it's interesting um, where he says, Isaiah says, woe to me. Um, he says, in my translation, he says, I am doomed mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because I, a man with unclean lips, living among a people with unclean lips, have seen my with, have seen with my own eyes the king. I mean, I just think a lot of times we're very, very, I mean, Christian people, everyone, but especially Christian people, we can be very flippant with our words. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Isaiah realized in that moment, wow, you know, I, I just think it was a new level for him. And, and I think that as Christian people, you know, knowing God's ultimate powers in his word and we are his uh, mouthpieces on the earth, our words are super important. You know, words do carry power. And Isaiah realized that he had been a little flippant with his words. So once he kind of owns up to it, um, like Elisa said, that the angel comes over with a, with a coal from the altar, touches his tongue and purges and cleanses him of his uh, unclean words and essentially forgiving and atoning for his sin there. Um, it's a picture of the future salvation. It's very, uh, it's very beautiful the way that this is. Very symbolic. Um, but it, this has to happen before he could be sent. I think that's what's really cool. Here. Mm-hmm. You have to, God is a God of order, and you have to you have to go through certain steps before you can ever be sent out on your mission mm-hmm. and everybody's got a mission yeah it, it we have to get beyond whether you have your ticket into heaven or not mm-hmm. that's the way you know a lot of a lot of christian people look at it we're just okay well we're saved we got our ticket there's so much more than that yeah you're missing out if that's all yeah if that's all you want is your ticket what about all the amazing things God has planned for you to do? And some people may look at that and be like, wait, wait a minute, you mean I'm going to like just work the rest of my life to, to please God? No, that's not it. Like God built us. He knows what's going to bring us the ultimate joy. His specific work that he has built for you and for me is going to be what brings us the most fulfillment. Mm-hmm. It's not just like God's like, all right, you're going to go in the coal mines now and you know slave away. No, it's... This is going to, I built you to do this job. You're going to be at your best when you're doing this work. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes on here. Probably my, my favorite part is uh, after, he, after his lips are, have been touched by the coal. Can I read them? Yeah. All right, starting in verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go, and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again. 
like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. Wow. I just love, I'll be honest with you guys, so this is an audio podcast. You can't see it, but my pop socket. Yes, I love a pop <laughs> socket. This is my pop socket verse. Here I am, send me. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so cool. Just imagine God like, you know, you're sitting up there and God's talking to essentially the Holy Council. You know, there's seraphim and angels and Jesus and the Holy and Spirit are hanging out. who will go for us. Yeah, who yeah. will go for us. It's plural. He's talking mm-hmm. like who for, for us, um, the Trinity. Um, mm-hmm. Who will go for us? And like, I mean, I remember when we went to see the Thunderbirds at uh, Moody Air Force Base. And I was like, I mean, I was probably 30 when we went. Had two kids, we're out there, and like I watched the Thunderbirds, and I I literally was like, where is the sign up sheet? Because I, I would join the Air Force today. Like I think each of us, if we <laughs> if we saw that, we'd be like, yeah, where, where God, I'll do it. Like where do you want me to go? You know, um, and so that really means when we see when we recognize who God is, we should be willing mm-hmm. to to go. You know, what greater mission? What greater task? What greater thing could you do? than to do God's work. And I just think a lot of people think that they're going to miss something when they do that. And it's complete, that's completely not true. You're going to miss something if you, if you let the opportunity pass. Mm-hmm. You know? So Isaiah is like, God, I don't even know what it is, but I'll do it. You know, he signed, in the words of Chip Ingram, he, he signed a blank check and slid it under the door. That's the way Chip Ingram says it. You know, to walk with the Lord, there is uncertainty there. There is uncertainty knowing what your job is and what you're going to encounter when you get there and the the hardships and stuff like that. But that's when you lean on who God is. He's good all the time. Well, that's, that's the difference between what the world can give you and what the Lord can give you. Just if you go the Lord's way, it's not going to be easy all the time, but it will be fulfillment i think Mm -hmm. that's the word i'm looking for and joy and joy yeah joy is different than happiness though Mm -hmm. you know i mean paul and silas had joy in the prison i mean they weren't happy (laughs) you know i mean it's i mean there's damp and wet and dark and hard and but they had joy because they knew that god was pleased and that god um was going to do amazing things in the people in the people's lives around them mm-hmm. and isn't that what we want don't yeah, mean, that's why we're always chasing stuff of, in this world is because we're looking for that joy we're looking for that fulfillment and every time it comes up short so we go to something else it's always you know when you're little when I turn 16 and I can drive a car I'll be happy when I graduate high school I'll be happy when I get done with college and get a job. I'll be happy when I get married, when I get when I have mm-hmm. kids, and when I retire. And you it's never just, get there. You never reach that place. Yeah, it's like the the carrot dangling in front of you. There's no real everlasting fulfillment in our worldly Pursuits. successions. You yeah, know? and and even it's even a danger for Christian people. Yeah, you know, like. You can be saved and and know the Lord and believe in the Lord. You could read your Bible every day and still buy the lie that your next level of happiness is in a possession or a position or a location. And Paul said in, in one of his books in the New Testament, he said, 
I've learned that where wherever I'm at, therewith to be content. Mm-hmm. And, and you, Solomon essentially said the same thing. The wisest man that ever lived, you know, he tried it all out. <laughs> and everything under the sun, there's a season. But he talks about how it's all vanity. Mm-hmm. And he said, Solomon said that famous verse, God has set eternity in the heart of man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, out there's you can read different translations on that verse and it, and maybe not get the same thing but essentially what Solomon was saying when God has set eternity in the heart of every man this longing that we are trying to fill this void that we're trying to fill this sense that we can never quite grab a hold of contentment and happiness that God built that into us almost as a failsafe so that God gave us free will but he also built in a fail safe to say guys you'll never ever fill that void unless you put me in it and you can reach for all these other things and you can try and I'm going to give you that freedom to try and find your own path but you'll never feel it until you put me in my rightful place on the throne of your heart and so God built that in and that's why you know, I posted this on Instagram a while back. All these songs, you listen to it. So many secular songs and so much poetry is all about trying to go home. Mm. You know, the best years of your life when you were with the family growing up, and, and maybe that's not the case for everyone, but for a lot of people, you're always trying to get back to that simpler, better time, and you want to go home. And that longing for home, it that is actually a longing for God to be with us, for us to be with God, for our eternal home. And until we get, until we realize that, it will never go, it will never be filled, nothing will ever fix it. But God can fix it, you know? And that's what he does. Mm-hmm. So, um, he goes on to finish out this chapter um, talking about essentially the nation of Israel here. So, you know, there's, there's scripture that um, is for everyone. There's scripture that is for believers of all kinds. There's scripture that is specifically for the children of Israel. And so some of that's going on at the end of this verse, but we can take something from it. But um, Isaiah asked God, well, how long, you know, how long until um, – Essentially, things get made right with the, with your chosen people, the people of Israel. How long, God? How long? And by this time, Isaiah had seen a bunch of mess, and the people of Israel had been in and out of relationship with God, and in and out of sin, and in and out of idolatry. And it's just a vicious cycle that that's similar to our lives. You know, we 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 go through moments of closeness with God, and then we pull away and stuff like that. And so Isaiah is trying to get some specifics from God. And God goes on to describe some things, like in in my uh, translation in verse 11, it says, uh, Until cities become, become uninhabited ruins, houses without human presence, the land utterly wasted. And he just lists all these things, and it just breaks my heart that so many times for us, it takes something like that, you know? I mean, how how much is it going to take for us to surrender our control and our reckless control of our own lives, realizing that we cannot 
do it by ourselves. We can't figure it out. I mean, is it really that awesome, this this mess of a life that I'm trying to, to keep out of the ditch? Like, how, how long, what is it going to take for God to get my attention? What is it going to take for me to recognize that God's ways are better, that He's been around from everlasting to everlasting? I'm 34 years old. Do I really think in my arrogance that I know better than than God, or, or for that matter, even my, my parents or my grandparents. I mean, my dad always said, you don't get old by being stupid. You know, like at a minimum, we should give God a look and be like, you know what? This this has stood the test of time. God's Word has stood the test of time. So, you got anything you want to add, babe? Well, I, I think it's interesting what he says to the children of Israel here, or what he's telling um, Isaiah to tell the children of Israel and when we talk about the children of Israel yes there is some things that God has specifically for them but every story that comes to my mind about the children of Israel and when God sends them a word or sends them a warning at some point or another I probably can relate whether it be Absolutely. trying to get out of Egypt or whether it be wandering around in the desert for 40 years or being thankful one minute and complaining the very next Mm -hmm. you know um so i think when we look at what god is saying to his children even in the old testament where a lot of people say that it doesn't matter anymore it's under the blood and while that's true there is still so much of spiritual lessons and so he says this in a in verse and towards the end of verse nine keep on hearing but do not understand Mm -hmm. keep on seeing but do not perceive Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. So, and turn and be healed. But, you know, how many times do we hear and don't understand? And how many times do we see but we don't really see? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think there's so many times that the Lord is trying to tell us something and trying to show us something that we just probably are too busy to pay attention absolutely absolutely we talk about that a lot that's been my prayer a lot i don't want to be the kind of person that can't hear when god is trying to speak or can't see i mean that is what it's all about i truly believe that Mm -hmm. and i think that god speaks way more than we hear and uh you know we we cry out in our prayers god speak god speak and, you know, um, Elisa, you're a big David Platt fan. And, you know, what greater voice mm. can God give us than his word? Than his word. You know? And do we diligently search out the scriptures? And, and yeah, there's there's times where we need God's, we need a specific, a rhema word. You know, do I need to take this job, God? Like, what do you want me to do? But I always tell people, if you're in a situation like that, what is God's will? God's will is to get as close to Him as you possibly can. That mm-hmm. is God's will. And every time that I've done that, somehow, some way, He's brought an answer or a direction or a next step into my path. You know, we can't, we can't say we want an answer if we're not willing to get extra close to God to be able to hear His heartbeat and hear, you know, hear His leading. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's what... In all things, that's God's will, to be filled with the Spirit and to be close to Him. Um, 
But yeah, we need to be a people that can hear. Gone are the days where we just, um, you know, passively go to church and hear a sermon and get a little, you know, superfood on Sunday and 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 get through our week. Like God needs a devoted, sensitive to His voice army. He doesn't need a, a huge army. He needs a dedicated attentive motivated sensitive army that's listening intently and that's the people that we have to be and i think that i think that god expects that especially in 2019 mm-hmm. i mean if you need to know what something means we we can google it we can find scripture we we can do plans based on certain moods or certain feelings or certain situations we can do different translations we can do um i mean i have a which I would recommend this for anyone, but I have a, a digital concordance on my phone, and I can look up the original word and, and meaning of every single word in the Bible in all 66 books. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to know what this word says, I can find the original word. And so, to whom much is given, much is required. And in 2019, us as Christians, we have an arsenal of spiritual weapons that that really no people before us have ever had available and so we need to be good stewards of those i truly believe that mm-hmm. i think we're always waiting for him to just write something in the sky yeah out of the clouds um but he gives us so much more we just don't even realize to me that's still a miracle that we can google <laughs> anything and yeah. everything i still don't understand how that works yeah that's how i passed history my freshman year of college <laughs> First online class I ever took. Don't tell anybody, though. Um, so we're going to move into our next segment, unless you got anything else on that. No, nope, I good? think that's it. I just am so thankful to be here with you. That's awesome. Um, so we're going to move into our next segment, and uh, we want to just try and change it up a little bit. We wanted to try and do a, a news story and uh, talk briefly about that, because I think it's important as believers that we kind of stay in the know. Uh, after all, we do live in, in our culture, so we need to kind of be aware of what the culture is up to. Uh, and then also, after that, we're going to take a couple questions. Um, so the news story that I pulled up, which is actually a highly controversial issue, and I was trying to look for something a little bit more of a softball for this uh, first podcast. But this is this is from CBS News. Uh, it's a little, it's probably about a week old, but I'll just read you the title here. This says, Hollywood's elite threatens Georgia boycott over abortion ban as other states try to poach business. All right, baby, take it away. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even read the story. But I mean, but you've heard, you're the one I've that told heard, me about it. I've heard about it, yes. So frame the issue for us a little bit here. Can you do that? Well, or do, Georgia right. has passed the... Um, the law against abortion when there's a heartbeat detected and i think there's some certain stipulations that they've thrown in there where it may be okay and i I don't know enough about it i haven't read into it to to say anything one way or the other on that but there is a law now in georgia i don't know if it's been enacted but it has been passed that called the heartbeat law Mm -hmm. and when it when it passed um what was her name that she played on who's the boss Oh, uh, Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano. She's, the, she's, she's been the it. spokesperson on it, and she's 
um, pro-choice and saying that if since we've passed that or I think she said that the statement was even before it was passed that if we passed it that she along with a lot of other celebrities have agreed to boycott Georgia to do any acting or filming in Georgia so yeah. that's the that's the gist that's of it. the gist of it and uh, for those of you that don't know I mean which if you live in Georgia you probably are very aware but Georgia since like 2008 has made a big push to bring the entertainment industry to Georgia with with, with uh, tax incentives and um, just some some uh, state money available to schools to try and build up the kind of the uh, Georgia version of Hollywood uh, in Georgia. So I think we're like number three in the country for places to film. Um, and we have a lot of kind of landscape offerings in Georgia. You know, we have farms, we have cities, we have oceans, we have mountains, we have all of these things. So you can cover a lot of different genres. Um, and so really what, like Elisa said, these kind of star-studded elites, which I think Alec Baldwin has signed on to it, um, Amy Schumer, basically they're trying to bully Georgia politically. They're trying to scare us. It's a fear tactic because the, the filming industry has been good for the economy. Right. It's um, about the money. It is. You follow the dollar. That's yeah. where it's at. And it will probably work for a lot of people, and it may end up changing stuff. I, I don't know. Um, but I, that's obvious. I think it's pretty obvious for believers that's got to be a step backwards. Mm-hmm. And the minute we let fear dictate what we do, especially concerning money, then we're backing up. Absolutely. I mean, I truly believe that, I mean, like this technically is not our fight. This isn't your fight, Elisa. This isn't my fight, even though we're Georgia residents or whatever. But there will come a day in my life and your life and each of our lives where if we are a born-again believer and we believe God's counsel, in his word, there will come a day where we will have to choose that there will be a situation in our life that pits us against, um, the popular opinion, mm -hmm. the, and they do such a great job coming across as very sympathetic. And I think for the most part they, they are, I've never taught with Alyssa, but I (laughs) I have to believe that she's a good person with a good heart. She Mm -hmm. just doesn't realize she's one of those that, sees but does not perceive and hears and does not understand Mm -hmm. and and for whatever reason um a lot of hollywood seems to be doing that um but that's a little bit of i think a little bit of a mob mentality i think when you kind of get in that circle you you either purposely or accidentally drink the kool-aid so i think it's very important as christians when we speak speak out about issues like this is to not come not combat it with hate mm-hmm. you know just speak truth because i don't think that they know that they're doing anything wrong you can't blame a zebra for having stripes right, right. and i just i have to believe that if we stick to it god's god's gonna work that out well, i believe that the industry um the filming industry in georgia would actually boom if we yeah you know, if we stood up for what's right I mean, there's a lot here. I mean, my mind goes to the fact of why. I mean, I get why people like Alyssa Milano and Alec Baldwin, I get why they have such sway with their opinions because they are such public figures. But, I mean, 
it just to me, I see the shallowness of our culture in this story. Like, mm-hmm. why? Why? I mean, why do why do they get to control so much of of the culture? Like, it's just we we they're actually a minority. Yeah, you know? and I mean, we give them that power, just mm-hmm. like our government. I mean, the mm-hmm. only reason why. The president can tell us what to do is because we as a people give him that authority. And we essentially do the same thing with right. people like Alyssa Milano. I mean, we we buy the tickets to see them, so we've given them their pulpit and their and their position. And so now we follow their Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean at some point this is a little bit of our fault as a as a people. Like we put them on such a high platform, and these people are actors. They're not scientists. They're not mathematicians, although maybe some of them in their, before they were famous were. Right. But, but I just don't think, certainly Alyssa Milano is not an expert on the issue of early term abortion, certainly. Right. She has an opinion, but because she is who she is, it's seen and heard more, and so it seems to carry more and weight. And our politicians are aware of the pool that they have. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably some some. The handshakes going on there at some point and, and and let's just real quick work through what Alyssa and Alec would say in their logic it really all boils down to and it's a little bit of a, a political type thing and that is it boils down to women's rights which mm-hmm. is a very another huge hot topic issue so these these issues are commingled and the thing that bothers me with that is in this argument to make your point based solely on the rights of the mother is completely negating the rights of the unborn child. Right. Now, I, I'm not going to be so ignorant as to say that, I mean, obviously, the rights of the unborn child are tied to the rights of the mother because they're living together for nine months in the womb. But at, but to, to take the position of Alyssa Milano and people like that, you're completely negating the right of the unborn child. Um, which is still a child, and I think that's where a lot of the issue yeah. comes into play. Is even though that we protect these sea turtle eggs, yeah, they're still unborn. Yeah, <laughs> why do we? We, I mean, you have to pay, and I think now jail time is in there, and all you know. Yeah, they have signs I mean, everywhere at the beach. You get in serious trouble if you mess with an unborn turtle. <laughs> but I mean, the logic mess, is just in my mind. The logic is just completely upside down on that yeah but, i mean yeah I, I mean i understand the logic of mothers having rights like i get that and i think that's important um what bothers me is that we do not protect the rights of the child um and we know that i mean you could get into all the details but you know that i mean i remember when you were pregnant baby and and um, you know, seven. I mean, I, this is a later term, third trimester. You know, seven months, eight months. When I would play music, you know, play mm-hmm. guitar in front of you, the Grayson would dance around in there. Like they have, they have thoughts and ideas and emotions. They're becoming, a, you know. Yeah, there's a heartbeat. Yeah. So, and and another thing is, um, how can we? expect God to bless a nation mm-hmm. that that murders its innocent. Mm-hmm. You know, how how can we expect that? I mean, isn't that a little bit pompous and arrogant and hypocritical of us to ask God to bless our nation mm-hmm. in that? I think it is. 
All right, so um, we welcome you guys. Any kind of comments or questions that you have, you can send us an email, and then um, uh, we'll check them. And then before the next podcast, you know, we can um, we can have a debate. Um, so send us an email at uh, questions at two r one dot org. That's the number two, the letter R, the number one. Questions at two r one dot org. We'd love to have you guys email us and have some questions to talk about next time. Uh, and then real quick, I guess you want to just wait till we get a question. Sure. We'll just wait for you guys to email us. Uh, any questions are fair game. If you don't want us to say your name, um, that's perfectly fine. Just tell us, you know, I'd rather you not say my name on the air. Um, send us an email and um, we'll kind of thumb through them and, and pick the ones we think are most applicable based on just kind of what we feel led to do. And um, we'd love to have a discussion, love to answer some questions in, in any way that we can. Obviously, uh, God uses all different kinds of people for all different kinds of things at all different uh, times. And so we're just one cog in the wheel. We're thankful to be doing his work. And if we can help in any kind of way with those questions, we'd love to. Uh, but we just want to thank you again for joining us. We want to tell you, the, tell you that we love you and we uh, we pray that God will continue to grow you and that you will seek his plan that you will raise your hand and volunteer for whatever the job is that god has for you because it's specific for you he built those things and prepared those things and those plans for you before the foundations of the world which is a whole nother topic apparently we knew god before we were born anyway talk about that later, but we love you we thank you for tuning in and uh we'll see you next time